0: Hello, Chris here with another installment of the Make It Podcast, and as usual, before we get to today's guest, I want to encourage everyone to go to our website at www.banzai.film and click on the resources link. There you'll be able to join our creative community and be given access to an ever-growing slew of film-related resources and tools at your disposal at zero cost to your wallet. Again, go to www.banzai.film, and there you will find awesome things like books, like film schools you can enroll in, like autograph posters. What's an autograph poster? Well, we talked about it last week. An autograph poster is a thing you buy, and you have everyone in your cast and crew sign it. And then when the movie blows up, which it inevitably will because uh, you were working on it, Uh, You get to save that poster, put it in a frame, and have something special um, that you can keep from that crew, from that cast, from that moment forever. So it's so much better than getting everyone a t-shirt, which will die in a drawer in three weeks um, at at your post party. So just something to think about there. Anywho... Now, on to today's podcast guest. On this episode, we have a conversation with Priscilla Wise. Priscilla is a writer, consultant, and entrepreneur, and she founded Priscilla Wise Management in 2008 as a way to diversify professionally. Well, you say, Chris, what does that mean? Well, she's a creative, a problem-solving, mentoring, analyzing data junkie who enjoys applying those strengths in multiple areas. That's what it means. And she's currently working on a new book, Why Screenwriting, a startup guide. Uh, She's currently also engaged with six television projects, a feature film, and a short series. On top of that, Priscilla is a script editor with projects that include scripted and unscripted television, narrative And documentary feature films, narrative shorts, docu-series, and web series, and she did a short story collection as well. But wait, her bio doesn't stop there. Uh, She participates in sales and distribution conferences, film festivals, film and TV business panels, writing seminars, and attends screenwriters groups, and um, so, so what that means is you might see her on one of your panels in a festival if you go there, and uh, she might be able to give you some advice, and you might be able to ask her some cool questions. So without further ado, I give you a writer that never needs a muse because she embodies all of those qualities within herself, writer Priscilla Wise.
1: Priscilla Wise. I'm a screenwriter. I would say my wheelhouse is television comedy. Um, The first thing that I wrote for television I switched about five years ago was a comedy, a half hour comedy called GILF. And it was really my foray into television. And it's the project that launched my next five projects. So I would say within the writers group, that's probably um, what I'm best known for. Um currently kind of shifted a little bit into writing a book titled Why Screenwriting a Startup Guide. I've got a shout out to uh, Bonsai Nick for helping me with that title, meaning he came up with it. Um, and so it's a book about not the art of writing, but more of ideas and inspiration for getting started as a screenwriter. So I'm endeavoring to finish that over the holidays. And then this is totally different than what I normally work on, although I started in feature film. Um, I'm working on a feature film script now. That's a drama, uh, so very different than TV comedy. But for those of us that hear the muse, um, she will just not stop talking to me about it. So I feel like I'm just taking dictation when it comes to writing this film. Um, I'm also in initial discussions for a couple of writers rooms uh, based on, you know, a Nashville-based uh, half-hour comedy that I wrote this last year.
0: Wow. That is quite a bit, and you have always been uh, one of my favorite multi-hyphenates. You have really, you know, done everything, um, and have had a, such a wealth of experience um, doing actually a wide a wide range of things. Um, I, I do want to get back and talk to you about um, your book, uh, Wise Management. I'm uh, not Wise Management. That's your company, Wise Screenwriting, and just talk to you a little bit about that uh, as we go. But I want to start back a little bit further. Uh, you grew up in Gainesville, Florida. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. The and Gators. There you go. <laughs> there We're you required go. to say that. I know you do that just to, just to tease me as a UT fan. I'm sure, <laughs> um, but you but you've earned it. You've earned it. Um, so. So I'm curious, as you were growing up in Gainesville, I know for most lay people, uh, I mean, you can write anywhere, but for most lay people, they wouldn't think of Gainesville being sort of a hotbed for writers in in television and film. Uh, What was that moment for you coming up where you knew you wanted to have a life in creative?
1: Um, You know, I had a kind of interesting start because I – Probably started maybe 1991, so it's been a while. I went to my first screenwriting. Um, I should probably back up from there. I wrote my first script at eight years old, so there was always that writing um, idea there, sort Mm -hmm. of a seed of an idea. And in '91, I took like a screenwriting class um, in Orlando. I was so excited to be around other writers, and it was just one small piece of a conference that was mostly authors. Um, So it was always bubbling up. In 98, I wrote a script and I was so new to it. I hate to use the word naive because I just don't like that word, but that would be probably an appropriate word that um, I wrote a script called Second Families. And at the same time, I was starting to do some online um, writing groups and seminars. And it was right at the time that um, Julia Roberts, what was hers? Uh, stepmom came out, mm-hmm. and I was so naive. I was like, "Oh, well, that idea has been done, so I'm going to have to write something else." <laughs> it just didn't know the business, <laughs> so I've come a long way since the '90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in you know 2008, I got a lot more serious and started writing a feature film that I just took me forever, you know, to figure it out. But I did a deep dive and um, learned more about the business of writing three act structure. And then I got my nerve up in 2012. Um, I was coming to Nashville for a month or two every year. You know, I started out with a couple weeks. I think at that point I was here for about two months a year, Um, always in October, which is the best time. And then usually for the film festival and then film com. So I got my nerve up to go to the Tennessee screenwriting association meeting. I was nervous, you know, going in, I didn't really know, if if I knew enough to be there and it was a little uh they're so nice to me, they're not intimidating at all. I'd super recommend it if you're in Nashville. But by the end of the meeting, I gained so much confidence. Um I was talking with other a couple screenwriters in there that work in Hollywood pretty frequently. And um, you know, we were finishing each other's sentences and and he mentioned how thought I'd been writing for a dozen years that I just knew structure so well and like the cadence of a movie and I gave good feedback and so that went a long way in um, kind of validating Mm -hmm. that I was on the right track Um, the TV thing go ahead
0: how did you and again uh, sorry to interject there but but I am curious I I don't want to lose it because I will lose it uh, (laughs) if I don't ask it Um, how did you keep that passion, that, that, uh, that muse, that uh, desire to write at bay between 1991 and 2008, how was that difficult for you? How did you do it?
1: Well, I mean, I was writing in that like 90, I think it was 98, but you know, probably for a year and a half, I worked on a script and the one from 2008 went for a while, but I was just super busy. Um, during those times, I have, um, three stepdaughters from a previous relationship and they were, with us halftime from the time they were like two, five and seven until mm-hmm. now grown um, you know, closer to thirties. And um we were busy. So between having a full time job, I was probably working about fifty hours a week. I was on call to the hospital. So I was going in at two in the morning and fixing things, and um it was a robust life.
0: Yeah, not, not easy at all. It. Do you yeah, have any I mean, advice uh just really quickly for uh, working mothers? that would like to pursue uh, uh, any creative endeavor and and how to manage that?
1: It's hard. And that's the first thing I say, like I really feel for people that, and we had the kids halftime. So um, I will say we were busy in the other week with all of their activities. And I would just say that um, you have to make those opportunities to write. And even if it's a small amount, I think that People think it's not worth it to sit down for five minutes or 10 minutes, but I find five minutes may turn into 30 minutes. If it's something that you really love and are passionate about, once you get going, it feels so good. It's kind of like exercise, you know, like put on your Mm -hmm. shoes, get out the door, it kind of happens and you're you're happy you did it afterwards. Um, The other thing is just create, for me, it's a spreadsheet. I keep an Excel file of little tidbits that come to me um, that I either think are funny or poignant, you know, something I might want to use in my writing later. And then I kind of, I'm a data nerd. So for me, you know, this just works, but I categorize them on either a project that I'm working on, like GILF, in a future episode, this might be a funny little bit, or this is just something that, you know, is nebulous and I'll use in some project at some time. For some reason that gives me, um, I feel like I'm making forward progress. So I would say to them, if you don't have the time to write, at least start putting your thoughts down. So when you are ready to write, maybe it's five years from now when your kids are older, or if you have a you know a free Saturday to yourself for some unknown reason, um, that you kind of have a start.
0: Right, yeah, that's really uh, valuable. I love the part about just, hey, carve out five minutes um, because five minutes of writing is more writing than you had the day before. So yes. you had a blank page and now you've got a sentence. So start with a sentence. And keep going uh, if it's something you, you really love. So, I uh, interjected, and you were you were taking me down a path. You were you were telling me uh, what had happened right after uh, you had been in the writers' room with the uh, Tennessee screenwriters
1: at this the meeting. Right. So that was 2012, and around 14, um, HBO had I think that might have been their first year having a writers fellowship, and I was so excited about it. And when I looked at the requirements, I didn't have a writing sample that. Met, you know, met the requirements to actually um, apply. So I had about a week till the deadline. And um, so this would have been March of 14. I was getting ready to turn 50 that um, July. My oldest stepdaughter was pregnant due a month from then. And I think I was dating, we'll use the word dating, a 27-year-old guy. <laughs> and I sat there for about we'll, 24 We'll touch hours.
0: on that a little bit later <laughs> as well, by the way. But, but go ahead.
1: Um, there's so many confusions about the word dating, you know, how the younger people versus people of my age use it. But, um, so I spent about 24 hours going, write what you know, write what you know. And I just woke up and was like, GILF. So that's how GILF kind of came about. I spent uh, 110 hours writing over the next six days until the deadline. My mom is a great editor. You know, she did that whole thing. Um, It was the year that it crashed. They were taking the first, I don't recall, I think it was 10,000 entries or something, but the site crashed and um, when it came back up, and of course I was diligently trying to get in the whole time, and when it came back up, it said, we're full, and I was crushed. Um, So after I cried for a little bit, took a little nap, got some food, I mean, there was a lot of uh, four-hour sleep nights trying to get that script done, Mm -hmm. I realized that I had a finished project. I had a script and I, um, I feel like that was what really launched me. That was the biggest turning point in my writing career. One of two.
0: Yeah. And just to be clear for, for the audience, for clarity's sake, uh, what is Gil stand for?
1: Um, so it's grandma. I'd like to like be all the, all the way friendly with.
0: Mm-hmm. You can curse. It's it's an adult
1: program. <laughs> I don't know who's listening to this. Yeah, so the grandma liked the fuck. Uh, I once was pitching it to someone who's probably like 70-ish, and usually I go with the, you know, gilf. Do you know what that is? No. Mm-hmm. And I'll go with, do you know what a milf is? No. So I was like, oh, well, it's grandma would like to fuck, and he physically recoiled. And I was like, I need a <laughs> way to pitch this because it's not always going to go well. So, um,
0: oh man, yeah, so
1: I gave it to a friend of mine that writes in Hollywood, and he thought I was onto something. And he he told me now write this the series bible and mm-hmm. outline the first three seasons. And I was like, Are you kidding me? Like, there's more. Um, so I, I've learned a lot in the five years since I started that. But I will say, uh, previous to that, because I think around 2012 is when I was doing the film festivals and like Filmcom, the conferences. And um, I tuned out anything TV. So I had a lot to learn in that week because I thought that I had, you know, like one movie idea. And if it got made, then probably I would have another idea. But that was kind of it for me you know, I had this other life. Um, at that point, I think I was still managing a half a billion dollar business. I was helping launch two startup companies. Um, and my degree is in accounting. So as I'm running this other life, it's like, I have this idea. Um, and I hear that from a lot of people. They have a book idea or a TV idea, um, kind of a dream that's off in the distance and it just shifted everything. So I didn't think I ever had enough ideas for TV. Um, And once I wrote that series Bible and outlined the first three seasons, I could have gone on for seven seasons. I just had this wellspring of ideas that opened. Mm. So if there's any advice I could give is the thing that I pushed the hardest against, thinking that I couldn't do, ended up being my passion. And I only fell into it because of um, wanting to do the fellowship for HBO.
0: That's great. And there's so much to dig into right there. Um, <laughs> one, one thing, um, I'm curious, you know, were you surprised that a, 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 grown person would physically recoil at the title of a, of a thing? Um, did you, were you ready for that? Were you prepared for that? I how, did you, how, how did you react on the spot to that?
1: I was embarrassed that I had embarrassed him. He was, um, just a, such a gentleman, like an old school gentleman. Mm-hmm. I assumed being in Hollywood, he lives in LA, um, that like, like you can't shock people in Hollywood. Right. right. But I was wrong. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So I was surprised, but it also taught me something like really tune into and know your audience.
0: Yes. Yeah. I've, I've had moments like that in my life a few times. Um, not necessarily in the creative realm, but I'm sure without me even knowing I've done it but, um, but I do remember being right out of college and uh, having a really good friend um, and and she used to work out at the same gym I worked out and she was uh, had gone through her workout with me or something like that um, and <laughs> I don't, sometimes it's just how you say something and you don't, <laughs> you don't mean it that way and I think I, I think I turned to her and said, Hey, those squats are really working out. Like, like something like that. And she physically, physically, record. I, I, I'm telling you, Priscilla, we have not spoken since she, she took, I was like, no, no, that's not what I meant to say. Um, I didn't mean it. that. I just meant you're doing a good job. It's like showing, yeah, it was too late. Um, i crossed, I'd crossed a line. I'd violated the rules of our friendship. So, um, if you're out there, uh, Katie, <laughs> so sorry, <laughs> didn't didn't mean anything by it. I was just trying to compliment your work ethic in the gym. So um, you you talked about yeah. dreams and Can I
1: tell you one more thing on that story that I find a little bit humorous. Oh, for sure. Um, so this gentleman, you know, I didn't see him. I didn't see him again because he's like, uh, uh well, well, we'll talk about this later. And then he just walked off, and I was like, yeah, we're not ever talking about it. So fast forward, probably I don't know, a year or two. I'm staying in like Beverly Hills, almost West Hollywood adjacent. And you know how no one walks in LA. Mm -hmm. Well, I love to walk. And so the writer's Guild library was about three miles from my hotel. Um, So I was like, I'm just going to walk to the library. That'll get some of my exercise in. And so there's no one on the streets in Beverly Hills because that's just, you know, the LA way. Mm -hmm. So I passed this guy and I'm looking, I was like, gosh, he looks so familiar. And so I turn and look at him and he turns back and looks at me when we're probably about 20 feet apart. And I was like, I I don't know where I know him from. So I kept going and I realized it was that guy. (laughs) And once I realized it was him, I was like, for sure, I'm not going back now.
0: That's that's double that's double trouble, man. That's the universe. Send it send that guy back into your life. But right? the, the universe has been kind to me. Like I've never had to face the embarrassment twice. So yeah. <laughs> you you mentioned something important um, about dreams. And I I I do think that sometimes when someone has a, a dream that feels like it's this distant thing that you were that you were sort of alluding to earlier i wonder I, I have this sense that it's that if they ever accomplish it then it will take away a significant part of their narrative oh, as a true. person and mm. and the fear of losing their identity keeps them from taking true and significant action on the thing they want because they can't imagine a world they can't visualize a world where they get to rewrite their narrative based on the success they had with the thing they made.
1: That's really interesting. Do you mean it also in a way of like a fear of failure?
0: Fear I of success, mean, so maybe
1: success too. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Like I know so, so many people who um, have built an entire life around their current scenario so that if they were to become a success over the next five years through their own efforts, creativity, and hard work, it would disrupt the things that are good, potentially disrupt the things that are good in the life they've built around their current scenario. Um, if that, does that make, am I being clear enough there? Cause it's like, if, (laughs) if you, if you have a day job, um, and a family and, um, a big part of your narrative is that you're a, a starving artist or you're struggling, you're just doing your thing. And that's kind of what you post on Instagram and that's what you're tweeting about. And then you're not anymore. Uh, you know, are you, c- could you visualize that life? Um, and if, and if not, you may never want it. You may never want to get it because then who are you?
1: Right. I definitely. No, I understand that. And um, people definitely change you know, as 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 I've changed, um, you know, the people around me, some of them are I'm um, closer to and are my true tribe that loves me. And I trust, you know, we have trust with each other. Um, and then there's those that fell away because of. They just couldn't see me in a different way. Yeah. I don't want to use the word jealousy, but that's really what it is.
0: It's a type of jealousy. It's not the overt kind you hear about in hip hop. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, <laughs> it's, more, or sure. our, 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 sure. our, our country music, you know, it's, it's more <laughs> like the, it's more like the, <clears throat> the covert kind that, that comes off as someone who loves you and is just trying to support you and give you the best advice as possible. And I've seen, I've seen girlfriends tell their, you know, their artist boyfriends before, Hey, you know, don't move to LA. Uh, you can do it here. Well, that's kind of a self-serving comment. Um, you know, or potentially could be. Now, conversely, even when it's not in relationships, um, I've seen that self-defeating action where I've, I started in music. So um, I would go to people who I thought was really talented and I would say, hey, why are you still here? Like, they don't, they don't do your kind of music here. Like, it's not, it's it's a harder path. Like, you're so talented. Like, move to Atlanta. Just move to Atlanta. It's like, just down the street. Like, it's all good. Uh no, I'm good, man. I want to try something here. I wanna do it, you know. And I've and sometimes that's a really honorable thing and that's the way you ought to go. You ought to try it where you're at because you can be a big fish in a small pond. But if yep. ten but if ten years goes by and and you haven't been able to do that, then you know, you should you should try you should try a new pond, maybe, right? Yeah. So that, that's kind of what I meant, that fear of trying something new. You did that. You went from Florida to Nashville, and um, you, you, you're a person who just isn't—you're actually kind of about—you're you're big on transformation. You're big on transcendence as an individual. And so I'm just curious, you know, what what does that look like, you know, in your life, transformation and transcendence? Or you what would that, say, what would transformation look like in your own life?
1: That's a really good question. Um, I would say like everybody else's, like there's magic and there's beauty and there's loss and pain, and you know, and mundane days. And you have to get through all of them. And so the hard part, um, you know, if you'd say what I'm struggling with right now the most is balancing um, my career just keeps going up. You know, the opportunities that I have are bigger every day. I get a new opportunity. Okay, maybe not every day. Um, that's exactly where I want to be and working with the people that I want to work with on the projects that I love and somewhere that I feel like I can really contribute. Um, at the same time, my parents, their need for me is continuing to increase. So although I'm on the other side of, you know, the, like the young kids at home years, I'm now at the point of, um, one of the reasons I'm not in LA is um, I was headed to LA. I stopped in Nashville. One of my projects is a music competition. So I talked to my um, partner, the person that was the creator, Dave, and said, I'll stop in Nashville and see if I can get traction. And I did. And I reconnected with the group here and said, well, Nashville's the next, you know, the next place for me to go. This was about two and a half years ago. Um, I was on my way to LA and then I realized as my, um, parents needed me more, it was easier to make the work trips to LA, which were generally planned than it was to make emergency trips back to Florida from LA. And so in Nashville, and I've had to do this before, I can literally get in my car and be home in nine and a half hours. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's my biggest struggle now. And we talk about, um, you know, transcending, I don't feel completely free to just do a walkabout, you know, and go to LA when I need to. And um, I'm not sure if I really answered the question. I'm not sure this was my best answer.
0: (laughs) It's a tough one to answer.
1: But
0: but, but I think, but I think you touch on something there because you have been the emotional leader for your family for a long time. And I've been fortunate enough to meet uh, a few members of your family. I know that, that you, that you, Uh, are taking care of your, your, some of your dad and mom's challenges now, Uh, but you did that with your uncle uh, earlier, right? And, and so it's, it's gotta be pretty tough having to be the rock for everybody while, while chasing um, your ambition and your passion.
1: And maybe that's, you know, the beauty in this, in this interview is for other people seeing it, because I do think that from the outside, we look at each other's lives, especially on Instagram. And think that, man, this other person's life is so awesome. And I probably, if you looked at my Instagram, you'd be like, okay, she spends a lot of time outside the woods. Uh, Mm -hmm. A lot of times, you know, looking at the sunset, like I don't have a super exciting Instagram. I don't talk about my projects too much. I do go to fun events. Um, That's part of the industry. And I do enjoy that. Um, But yeah, my life is also hard you know, it's hard to make the choices. Um, I love change. I mean, so we talk about transformation. I absolutely thrive on being uncomfortable and changing. So where I'm currently living, I've been here for a year. I'm talking about my loft. um, It's on the outskirts of downtown Nashville, and it's a little more urban. um, And I wouldn't say it was as comfortable as when I was living in in the suburbs, more in Green Hills. Mm -hmm. And I'd like, I wanted to be around people that weren't like me. Um, I wanted to have that experience. And I always say like, if you want to write about life, you have to live life. There has to be times when you're not just thinking about, you know, your characters and their pretend worlds, but also just being in the thick of it and certainly being in the hospital with my parents, the nursing homes, the assisted living, um, being with my uncle at hospice, making life and death decisions for him. Um, you know, and everything that transpired after he passed away, being that person, like I'm living life and I'm writing about it.
0: Is everything you write about true or most of what you write about true?
1: I, I do feel like although I write scripted, so people would say it's fiction, I almost feel like I am a uh, nonfiction writer because I do write about relationships. I mean, that's my wheelhouse looking comedically at how we transverse life and our relationships, um, kind of Nancy Myers ask if she was, Mm -hmm. I would say like, I'm a less talented, more sexualized or bodied Nancy Myers. (laughs) No, not (laughs) less. For sure. But, um, I love how she explores relationships. Like in the intern, it wasn't just romantic relationships, but that movie was about, you know, the, I don't know if you've seen it, but, um, I have. And Hathaway's relationship, yeah, with her uh, intern who happens to be, I don't know, 40 years older than her, probably, four yeah. decades, something like that, and just their relationship. And I love that there's a whole movie that isn't about um, a romance between a man and a woman. It's just the purity of their friendship. Um, so that's kind of what I write. Yeah. Um
0: That requires you to get outside the house and do some real things and get in some real adventures.
1: Yeah. And and have some real
0: hardships. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. And to feel like, what is that? I like to look at it more comedically. Uh, One of the questions I was going to ask
0: you or wanted to ask you is you you have a propensity, you enjoy comedic writing. I was wondering why comedic writing?
1: Um, I think, you know, my nickname when I was little was Silly Silla. Like I was always a giggly, um funny um, my friends thought I was hilarious of course <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, we'll be, beyond that. I don't know about that uh, it's a different sense of humor. I'm not like stand-up comedian kind of humor. Mm-hmm. My, my humor kind of sneaks up on you like mm-hmm. is she being funny? Um, no, I just think that life is so serious there's so much that brings us down that I want to focus. Um, as much energy as possible, to inspire, to entertain, um, to make people laugh, and just bring some joy into their life. No, so I would. Say yeah, go ahead. It's sort of an, um, kind of who I am naturally. Um, I also, it's a very focused effort.
0: Yeah, yeah, and um, it's you're an interesting person because there's a there's a dichotomy to you. Where on on one hand, you you love to laugh, you're funny, you write um, in a comedic way, but you also are super analytical, you love numbers, you got a degree in accounting. That doesn't seem to really jive. How can you explain that, that you went into that field knowing what your personality is like?
1: You know, I hear that the most, Um, like, how did I pivot? It's actually something I write about in in the book um, with the background. And I think really it's the same. I know that um, like an accountant numbers, data, you know, being a data junkie, all of that doesn't seem like it. But what I do best is project management. And so I look at a script as a different type of project management. So to me, it's the same Um, data. Like I, my mind has to churn. Like I always have a simple life, but a complicated mind. Mm -hmm. Um, It takes very little to make me happy. I don't need, you know, I'm not the typical girl with like, I need to go shopping and shoes and purses. And I just want to be outside, you know, simple food, simple surroundings, kind people. um, You know, so it doesn't take that much externally, but on the internal My mind just churns all of the time. So given data, it gives it something to focus on. And so I like, I just like analyzing stuff. And for me to focus on data versus a script is the same.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. It's all all ones and zeros for you, Priscilla.
1: It really (laughs) is. (laughs) I'm just trying to keep my my new friends, you know, my new imaginary friends. I'm trying to, after I create them in their world, I'm just trying to get them from, you know, like wherever they're starting to wherever they need to go. Um, Mm -hmm. And I find that I'm naturally a connector. I think you know this about me. Um, It gives me great joy to widen the circle. I feel like there's room for all of us. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of the same thing, too. Like that connecting is almost um, kind of like problem solving for another person. So, for instance, one of my um, director friends said, Hey, I'm looking for like this certain type of actor. I haven't found anyone. I was like, Oh, I have a friend. He does this. And they, he auditioned, he killed it. You know, they both called back and were like, Thank you so much for connecting us. Like that makes my heart so seriously full. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just another project in a way, in a more informal way. But that's what lights me up.
0: I love it. You mentioned uh, Nancy Myers earlier. Um love. Who who else uh, has inspired you, or, or who else would you like to emulate, or have you thought about emulating their careers? And and what do they do that that makes them stand apart from a from a technical or skill standpoint?
1: Early on, I would say, um, you know, if Nora Ephron and Gary Marshall had a baby, I would hope that it was my script. <laughs> uh, I love Gary Marshall's sensibility, his kindness. Um, he wants to uplift. He has the same sensibilities that I do. Nora Ephron's a little different than my writing, but I definitely, um, had hoped to work with either or both of them. And so I'm very sad that it'll have to be in the next, in the next realm. Um, Aaron Sorkin, super impressed with, I love that. I read somewhere that I think his dialogue in a, you know, like a normal, whatever, hundred, usually it's a, you know, a page per minute in script. So a hundred page script to be a well, for him, it's like 120 pages translates into a hundred minutes of, you know, screen time. Mm-hmm. It's just that dense. Um, so I, I love Aaron Sorkin. I wish I could write like him. Um, Nancy Myers, I, I wish I wrote as well as she did. I'm a little bit different. Um, Richard Curtis, so admire him. Um like so Mike Judd, like Silicon Valley, that really, um, it makes me laugh. You know, I've been in the startup business, so it's just mm-hmm. great to see, um, them kind of poke fun at themselves. Yeah.
0: He's super underrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so Everything he swings at, he hits <laughs> and, and, and hits it far. So, um, that is, that is one of my favorite shows. Uh, and we'll probably go down as one of my favorite shows, uh, or, you know, half hour, sort of yeah. comedy sitcoms ever. It's just so smart. You have to watch it sometimes twice just to, <laughs> yes. you know, to see what you missed. Cause there's so much, it's very meta in that way. You sort of mm-hmm. inside the industry inside of a show. It's, 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 it's really interesting um, what he's been able to do there. And I, I bet his writer's room is just, I wonder, I wonder who their Silicon Valley Consultant is right. consultants are that say hey write about this and then and this is why it's so absurd because they seem to just know it so well it's so um, connected it's so uh, not false you know yes so
1: uh, uh, I feel that way about Aaron and stuff like I was a huge watcher like West Wing when it was mm-hmm. out and then it um, was the one on net, network what was the network show yeah. uh, you talking about the movie the
0: or, or are you talking about the HBO so, show
1: the HBO show
0: yeah. Newsroom. Um,
1: newsroom. Yeah. I okay. love newsroom.
0: Yeah. I was uh, sad to see that go. It was good.
1: Love the density of that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. And would you, so I've been told to watch West wing by many, many, many people. And uh, it's on my, it's on my bucket list of shows to catch up with. I actually haven't seen more than I think two episodes of the show, but everyone's like, this is a great show. This is like something you should watch. So. Um, did you watch the newsroom and did you like it? I did. I watched it. I liked it. I had a sense that not everybody would like it. Um, for sure. So I will say that about it. I was like, oh, this isn't for everybody. Um, but I personally liked it a lot. And as a journalism major, I really related to it.
1: Mm. Yes, I can see that. I, I love the West Wing. Um, I don't know how it would translate 20 years later or however long it's been. Um, but just amazing all the way around.
0: Yeah. That's a good list. You've got going there. That is for sure.
1: That's good.
0: Um, you started wise management in 2008. Um, what was the impetus behind that? Can you talk a little bit about why you thought the next best step is to kind of start this management group is consulting business.
1: So I was um, starting to consult at the time. My sister's a super talented um not the one you met, that was Kimmy, my other sister Kimberly and her husband and son, um, very talented musicians. And so I was occasionally doing some work with her as far as um, you know, managing. When she'd get a gig, I'd be the kind of manager when she needed me to be. Mm-hmm. And I was working on the writing stuff and then I was consult- consulting still in healthcare. So <laughs> I decided I was starting an LLC and I was like, you know, Priscilla Wise Management, is a great umbrella to, you know, hold all of my different interests. It can't be tied down. You've learned that about me. That's right. So that's how I started it. Um, and so really I've been able to roll all, all of those things into it and probably some great things in the future. What are we going to do next?
0: I know. I'm excited. We, I think, uh, I think we definitely are overdue for some collabos and uh, we've talked about it a lot. Now we just have to figure out the best way to execute some stuff uh, together. Absolutely. Um, one collab you talked about earlier uh, with, with my uh, partner, Nick, why screenwriting? Um, so uh, I think the subtitle of that is a startup guide. Is that right? So is that yep. how this talk to us a little bit about how your screenwriting books, there's so many out there, a lot of great ones, some not so great ones, but why will your screenwriting book be different and how will it be different?
1: Yeah. So um, the way it started was very organically um, going back to, you know, you said about being a writer in Gainesville, Florida. So when you're a writer in Gainesville, that's starting to get some success out of Gainesville, you know, in the industry, the news spreads. Um, And I was getting calls from friends of friends, you know, high school friends, different people that wanted to write or had projects. Um, So they kind of got funneled to me. And for the writers group, you know, the group of writers, I should say, they, um, I would give them the same advice. And at first I was spending probably an hour, you know, with each person. And then I realized that I was really putting my projects aside to work on theirs. um, Or I'd find that they didn't come back. And that's when it really hit home to me that a lot of people have a dream, um, want to write, but they don't actually sit down. I refer to it as ass in chair, you know, that's the Hollywood expression. You've mm-hmm. got to get your ass in the chair. And so they weren't really doing that. So I kind of then backed off and said, you know, I'll give you a half hour. I'll be happy to talk about whatever you want, you know, as a favor. Um, and you know, like after that, if you write something, use the advice, write something, send it to me. I'll be happy to read, you know, a few pages. I'm probably not gonna kind of delve into your hundred page, you know, script, but I'll be happy to spend and give you some feedback. So, um, the people never got back to me. That's what I found is I was spending a lot of time on the front end. They weren't writing, um, or really using the advice. So then I came up with, um, my next iteration was kind of an email. It's kind of a long story for how the book started, but, um, so I started an email. And so when someone reached out, I would send the email first with, Hey, here's 10 things you can do to get started today. Here's some ideas I have on leveraging your experience and talents. Um, how I got started, how I pivoted. And I said, so, you know, read through this, get started, be happy to read something, ship it over. And I wasn't getting feedback. Like they were excited. I was excited about their projects. There's some really amazing ideas out there that I'm sad aren't put into, you know, where we can all see them. But the next thing I came up with was instead of it being an email, I'm just going to write a book. There seems to be a need for Um, you know, ideas and inspiration for getting started as a screenwriter.
0: Right. 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 Yeah. I think, um, I think a lot of people just need to, to get that motivation and then have a couple of steps on practical steps on how to, you know, as you put in the title, start up, you know, get, get going and then form a habit around that, that, that starts to be similar to laying bricks. Right. So you're starting to build something brick by brick, you know, uh, word by word every day. And then finding that time, that process, that life design that you can, you know, that you can actually do it and, 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 and make an impact in your own life and surprise yourself. Cause even you mentioned in, earlier in the conversation that you had, you were really sad that your, that your script didn't make it in, um, uh, because it was full, but you, you looked up and you realized, oh, wait a second. I had a bunch of four hour nights, four hour sleep nights. And, um, you know, in the pressure of that moment, you forgot to remind yourself, oh, I have a finished project now. Like I put yeah. in a lot of hard work and now I'm done. I did something. I have something I can leverage and use out in the marketplace, uh, going forward. So, yeah, very good. I'm really excited, um, to see how this book turns out. And of course I will have many, many copies. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, If you had a month to teach someone how to write, so they were going to try to write their own half hour uh, sitcom, let's say, um, and you had a month to get them up to speed, they hadn't done it before. What would be the first three things you would teach them?
1: Um, Three act structure or five act, depending on if they're doing like a, you know, half hour comedy or, whatever kind of script they're writing, but structure would definitely come first. Second, I'd have them, um, probably read some scripts, um, most similar to theirs and then watch it, preferably something they haven't seen. I actually love to watch, to read a script before I've seen the show at all, like a pilot script. Um, that's why I saw Kimmy Schmidt and, um, a couple others. So I read the script and then watched the show and, and really paid attention to how the blueprint um, changed and shifted, how the script shifted into the script, into the screen.
0: Yeah. I think that's really um, an okay. awesome way to watch movies as well. Um, when you realize, you know, what the intent was versus what was actually possible in the physical world, because mm-hmm. the, a couple of toughest things about writing is one controlling tone um, making sure you don't have tonal shifts that you weren't aware of, and then, mm. and then two, and this is in my opinion, <laughs> and then, and then two um, w- would just be accidentally writing something that's impossible to shoot, or you know, four times your budget, and it didn't, and it wasn't necessary. So, being able to to look at what you or read what's on the screen, then yes. watch it. It lets you know, oh, they probably made that shift because X, Y, Z reason. And you can figure it out. You can make the connection so much better than if you'd watched it, then read it.
1: Yes. I think there's an assumption if you do it in reverse. I don't know why, but I feel that way. The other thing is, you know, is recognizing what the actors bring to a script. Directors, producers, everyone. But like an actor becomes an expert and truly embodies and brings to life. Um, the, the, you know, the imaginary friends, the characters, Mm -hmm. and I believe, and especially over time with the series, they know the character so much better than the writer, like every nuance of, you know, of that character.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um.
1: And then the third part, I think that was only two. So the third yeah, yeah. part would be to actually write. They'd have to write something and um,
0: is, <laughs> what? And what? just you'd be, really, you'd make them write. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I would be a cheerleader, you know, like I would tell them your writing is gonna suck. Keep going. You're gonna put stuff in there that you is precious and it doesn't add to the story. Keep going, you know? Mm-hmm. You need to when I'm editing, I'm a, you know, get in as late as possible, get in get out as soon as possible kind of my same theory for parties and social events, but, mm-hmm. um, so, you know, it's all of that. It's cutting, going back through and editing. So I'm going to say it's four steps, write And edit yep. and keep I'm, going when you think you suck.
0: Yeah, I'm totally with you because I think that, you know, you do write things that have been dancing around your mind that are super precious. And then, you try to fit them into a story because you love I it so much and, and it's like, ah, oh, but it really does have to go. It really doesn't fit. Um, and by and the way, you
1: your little um, graveyard, your little Excel file. And you say, this is so funny. I'm going to cut it, but it's going to go somewhere later. And yep. then you don't feel like you're losing something.
0: <laughs> the, the, the idea of graveyard. I love it. Um, that's it. That's a book title. um, <laughs> <laughs> We'll, 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 look into that. Uh, that'll be the, that'll be the <laughs> next project. Um, right. I have a, I have a question for you. That's just totally out of left field, but I, I would okay. be remiss if I didn't ask you and I, and I don't think I'm going to pronounce this right. So please help me out. Uh, oh boy. you are a, uh, reiki, R-E-I-K-I okay. R E I K I healer. You're a reiki yeah, I love- master.
1: Reiki level two. I'm not a master yet. What am I saying?
0: Oh. Okay. You're a Reiki level two. So what in the world is that? And why did you do it? And, uh, when did you become it?
1: So, um, my great grandmother was a Italian immigrant and an Italian healer. Um, and she was brought over to, uh, Brooklyn and she was the healer of that community kind of immigrant Italian community. And so my mom was a little girl at her feet and watched as the neighbors would bring over like their child's clothes. And she would do some kind of kind of almost like a spell or, you know, some kind of movement over it. And when she was done, she was done. And the people would leave. And my mom said, most of the time, the kids got better you know, so it was enough that they considered her kind of a nurse almost. Mm -hmm. So I think I come from it, you know, um, kind of a family tradition. Uh, my mom became a Reiki master in her, I think sixties. And I just, at some point, I think it was probably 2008 felt like, um, I wanted to be part of that family tradition mm-hmm. and that lineage. Um, so my mom trained me for level uh, one and two. And so I've been talking to her about training me as a Reiki master and she wants me to be trained by someone else. So we're, we have a sticking point here. So I wanted to do it, I think, more for the, for the lineage. Um, recently, I've, I've gotten back into practicing, um, and I've done some remote distance. I don't like to call them healing because I feel like every person heals themselves, but I've done some remote energy work um, and, surprisingly, just had some intuitive or maybe psychic um, information come back to me about that person that ended up being really helpful for them. Um, it's really shifted for me this year and that I physically feel what the other person's feeling. And so I'm able to relay that information. It's a little wow. freaky.
0: Yeah. it's super interesting. So tell me just quickly, what are the steps? Like if someone wanted to become this, what do they need to do?
1: There's all kinds of classes that you can go to and it's three levels for the type of reiki, reiki training that I did. Um, And so the first level, I don't know if you can do it in a a day or a weekend. Um, They teach you the symbols. Um, There's like hand symbols or gestures that goes with it. And um, level two is where you learn the distance healing. That's what I really like. I feel like I'm better at the distance. Um, And then the Reiki master, I'm not sure. I mean, same thing. You can take classes and become a Reiki master. Um,
0: Maybe the master involves ayahuasca. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> it's all secret till I know. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I do know is for my mom, when um, I think, I don't know if this is like always true or just for her, but she said I had to practice every day for six months before she would start my master training. Mm-hmm. Might have been just her trying to get me to be like, she'll never make it Every She goes, if you miss a day, you have to start over.
0: <laughs> all right. All right. Oh, man, Priscilla, 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 you are, um, I could probably talk to you for another hour or so, but uh, I, w- I want to be respectful of your time. There is so much to dig into uh, with you. You are indeed, and, and I agree, a very perceptive, almost a shape shifter type of personality. You really see people. Um, and so um, I think that's going to come but through in everything saying, that you do. Yeah, no-
1: that's Probably what's most important to me in life is seeing people and um you know and kindness really. And so treat the people that you interact with on a regular basis as a friend. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm a big yeah, believer I'm- in that and um to quote jewel in the end, only kindness matters. <laughs> That'll be the, yes. the first and last jewel quote you'll hear this year. Um <laughs> <laughs>
1: this year. Well that's the only thing I'll stay on my soapbox about. It's just I just feel like as a society we've got to have some shifts here to and you know every day I fail at being kind. I, I wake up every day with the goal of being as kind as possible to as many people as possible. And usually by noon I've, you know, screwed up on gone insta bitch over something stupid.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, we all, and we all, get- we all backslide. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but I think the intent is there, right? And that's what it's about. Like having that intent to, to be kind and, um, uh, and making sure that, that your actions, uh, always display and, and, and funnel through that intent. Um, and, and you being on this, this, uh, podcast, having this conversation with me is, is uh, one version of that for sure. Um, t- tell everyone where they can find you on social media and on the internet.
1: Well, it's super simple. Cause it's my name everywhere. Priscilla wise. So my website is PriscillaWise.com, My Instagram is priscillawise, and, uh, on Twitter, Priscilla wise. Um, I tweet occasionally.
0: Yep. Um, I love it. And so you've got, you have, um, why screenwriting, which will be published soon. You have gilf or grandma. I'd like to fuck, uh, you have delivered, which is a half hour, quirky, slightly dark comedy pilot. You've got 23 yeah. C you've got, um, a feature film, which is a drama slash comedy called expiration dating. Uh, what is, and so much more, um, you're an entrepreneur. What's the next thing we should see from you if we're following you on social media and, um, in other places?
1: I would say, you know, there's good likelihood I'll land into a writer's room for next year. I'm pretty excited about that. I love to collaborate um, and I like new things and definitely the book. Um, Hopefully GILF will find a home this year, uh, next year. And um, I'm really excited. It's always the current project. That's pretty exciting. Um, I liked doing something different. So this feature film It's really a narrative about how we treat the, um, it's kind of a comedy drama. got a lot of drama in it. How we treat our homeless vets and our elderly homeless population. And it's tied up in a kind of a package with a NFL quarterback that's, you know, the main protagonist and his friendship with the homeless vet and how they kind of change the world through um, kind of saving each other. So I'm pretty excited about it. Um, No idea where it came from.
0: Love it. It sounds like it'll be a, a great thing. And uh, I don't, can't think of anything quite like it. So um, I will definitely keep my ear to the ground with all things Priscilla wise, as I always do. <laughs> and uh, thank you so much for for spending the time with me today.
1: Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed our time together.
0: Anytime. Let's get together soon. And um, before you leave to, to head out to Florida or when you get back uh, in the spring, uh, hopefully before uh, that, though. For sure yeah
1: absolutely
0: all right i'll talk to you soon okay bye all right be good bye you've been listening to the make it podcast to find out more information on this week's creative including links to their projects and social media feeds please visit our website at www.bonsai.film forward if you haven't already you can join our podcast community on apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choice by searching for Make It Bonsai Creative. If you do that, the show will pop right up. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Bonsai Creative and on Facebook by searching for Bonsai Creative. And of course, if you're looking to take a big step toward your filmmaking success, go to www.bonsai.film and click on Show Me How to schedule a free discovery meeting and needs assessment. You have everything to gain. Until next time, be better,
1: be creative, be engaged, and thank you for listening.